Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. This article was in a, the Minneapolis newspaper some time ago. A drunken driver received double the normal sentence Monday for killing a woman by running over her twice in a Bloomington parking lot. He struck Luann Johnson, 66, of Burnsville once, panicked, drove off, hit her again as he backed up, and bystanders yelled at him to stop. His blood alcohol count was five times the legal limit. At sentencing, Johnson's husband, carrying a Bible, said, quote, I forgive Mr. Lucelle for killing Luann, his wife of 43 years. His voice broke several times as he read Proverbs chapter 31 about the ideal wife. He also said he hopes Mr. Lucelle will confess and come to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, and then he gave him a book about God. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about if you're a Christian, you have to forgive other people. It's not an option. You have to forgive other people. Um, the reason you have to forgive other people is God has forgiven you your millions of sins. God requires you to turn around and forgive other people their sins against you. So um, what I want to do this this program is to talk about how God forgives you your sins and then how he expects you to turn around and forgive other people their sins. So let's get into this. Let's pray first. Father, there are probably people watching this program who wonder if you indeed have forgiven their sins. And there are other people that need to know that they have to turn around and forgive others their sins. If they're struggling with bitterness, unforgiveness, Lord, we would pray that you, Lord Jesus, would teach us now how to forgive others. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, first let's ask the question, how does God forgive us our sins? Point number one comes from Ephesians chapter 2 where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it's a gift of not God, not because of your good works, lest any man should boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So here's the first way that God forgives us. Forgiveness is unconditional in that it is free. In other words, God forgives us not because we deserve it, not because we're good enough, not because we've done some good works, not because we beat our breast enough, not because we've said enough Hail Marys, not because we've wept enough. The God, when God forgives us, He does it totally by His grace alone because He's a good God. You know the old hymn, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, Nothing in my hand I bring, only to thy cross I cling. Uh, could my zeal, f no respite, no, should my tears forever flow. These for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. In other words, hallelujah, God unconditionally, lovingly, graciously forgives me because of his grace alone. The... 
professor at my seminary said, I am glad that my salvation is 100% dependent on Jesus and his grace and not this much dependent on me because he said, I have trouble doing this much. <laughs> so the first thing about God's forgiveness, it's totally by his grace, not by your works. Second thing to say about forgiveness, Jeremiah 31, I will forgive their sin and their sin I will remember no more. Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far God has removed our sins from us. Colossians 2, you were dead in your transgressions, but he made you alive together, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Micah 7, he will again have compassion on us. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Next thing to say about God's forgiveness, hallelujah. Forgiveness is total. <laughs> It says he throws your sins when you've confessed them to him. He throws them into the very deepest part of the sea in Micah 7. Do you know what the deepest part of the sea is? It's called Nero's Deep. It's near Guam in the South Pacific. It's 31,614 feet. If you took Mount Everest, the tallest point on earth, and threw it into Nero's Deep, Nero's Deep covers Mount Everest by about half a mile. So in other words, when you sin but you confess and, and turn to Christ for forgiveness, God throws your sins into the very bottom of the sea. And the point is, don't go deep sea fishing. Let God leave them down there. Somebody told me about his Catholic grandma. She committed some sin when she was 20 years old. And he told me he, she has gone into the priest for 60 years and confessed that same sin over and over and over. And I heard that and I thought, oh my. You know, I don't know what the priest is saying to her. I tell you what I would say to her if she came to me. Lady, if you trust in Christ, God forgave that sin 60 years ago. Don't keep bringing it up. Don't go deep sea fishing. God put it in the bottom of the sea in Christ. Leave it alone. Forgive yourself and move on. The, the, the wonderful thing about being a Christian is God doesn't forgive us partially. He forgives us totally. Next thing about forgiveness from Ephesians 1. In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Here's the next point. Forgiveness is conditional upon Christ. We learned uh, a minute ago forgiveness is unconditional and that it's totally by his grace, not by our good works. But it is conditional upon Christ. That is, you need to have faith in Christ to receive the forgiveness of sins. Let's talk about a heresy that is alive and well in the Christian church today called universalism. Universalism is the teaching that everybody goes to heaven. Buddhists will go to heaven, Jews will go to heaven, Christians will go to heaven, Satanists will go to heaven. In fact, Satan himself will be in heaven because God is love, everybody goes to heaven. Is that what the Bible teaches? It does not. Your salvation is conditional upon Christ. Years ago, a friend and I went to hear a liberal Lutheran pastor speak on the Jewish-Christian dialogue. And I was afraid this pastor was going to do it, and he did. And he taught that the Jews are saved by the Old Testament, Christians are saved by the New Testament, but everybody's saved. We went up to him afterwards, privately, and my friend said to him, but pastor, what about the verses that teach there's a hell for those who reject Christ? And the pastor said, there is no hell. Okay. There goes all those verses in the Bible spoken by Jesus that talk about hell. Uh, that's called universalism. And it's not what Jesus taught. It says, in Christ we have redemption. I, I have a friend who's a Baptist pastor. 
he was part of a group of chaplains that would meet and go visit people in the hospital and then come back and, and it was part of his training. He was, I think there were like seven of these chaplains to be in his group. He was the only one, he and his friend I guess, were two out of seven who believed in hell. The rest of these Christian chaplains, God is love, there is no hell. And finally one day my friend said to these other chaplains, you know, you say you're Christians, you're going to be Christian pastors, but you don't believe in hell. No, that's right. Our loving God wouldn't do that. Well, then wait a minute. Jesus talked about hell. Do you know something he didn't? Are you smarter than Jesus Christ? Was Jesus in error when he talked about those who reject me will go to eternal punishment, Matthew chapter 25? See, the, 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 the point I'm making is our salvation and our, the forgiveness of our sins is unconditional in that God does it because he's nice. But it is conditional upon faith in Christ. If you, he who has the Son have life, he who does not have the Son of God does not have life, 1 John. Let's look at the next thought on how God forgives our sins. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what the word confess means? It means to agree with. When you confess, you're saying, God, I agree with you. That was wrong. That's what confession is. So here's the next uh, word on forgiveness. We need to confess our sins. We need to say, God, I agree with you. That was wrong. I had a young person. I was uh, actually in his 20s. I was counseling him uh, recently. He told me about some awful sins he had committed uh, some days before. And I said, okay. And he's a Christian. I said, have you asked God to forgive you for those things you did five days ago? No, I haven't. I said, okay. you got to. What are you waiting five days for? Immediately you confess your sins. Here was a missionary. A young missionary wrote back to England after he was in the mission field. When I was before the candidates committee to become a missionary, I told a lie. I was so anxious to become a missionary, I was afraid if I answered it truthfully, you would not approve me. Ever since I arrived to this land where I am now seeking to witness for God, that lie has been on my mind like a blight. When I kneel to pray, when I try to do anything, the Lord puts his finger on that lie. At last, in desperation, I'm writing to you as I owe it to you. I must get this right. And then he said, from the very moment I determined by God's grace to write this letter, everything has changed. God is starting to use me. I know souls are going to be saved. The, the point is, if you've sinned, ha have you done something that you know is wrong and you've never asked God to forgive you for it? You need to do that. If we confess our sins, God forgives, according to 1 John 1, 9. But that's not quite enough just to confess. Here's the next thought on forgiveness. Proverbs 28, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Or Ezekiel 18, if the wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed and observes my statutes and practices justice, he shall surely live, he shall not die. All the transgressions he has committed will not be remembered against him uh, because of the righteousness which he has practiced, he will live. Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord, rather that he should turn from his sin and live. So here's the next thought on forgiveness. We also need to repent. It's good that you confess your sins, but then you need to turn and stop. <laughs> you know, I, I had an older man uh, that I knew years ago, and he said, you know, Pastor Brock, I lived in, in New Jersey, and these mafia, they'd kill during the week, they'd 
promote drugs in our neighborhood during the week, but they were in church on Sunday confessing their sins to the priest. And, and, and he and I agreed, it's good to confess your sins. That ain't enough. You then need to turn from your sin. It's called repentance. You know, I, uh, I know a man who keeps pornography in his house. And I said to him, you know, he's a, he says he's a Christian man. He goes to church. I said, do you ask God to forgive you when you look at this pornography? And I think he does. But then he keeps it. <laughs> and I said, that's not repentance. You got to get that stuff out of the house. Throw it away. It's not enough just to confess. You need to also repent to receive forgiveness. So let's review this. How does God forgive me my sins? He does it unconditionally. Hallelujah. It's all by his grace, not by my good works. And he does it totally. He throws them in the bottom of the sea, so don't go deep sea fishing. God's forgiven you. Forgive yourself and move on. He forgives us upon our faith in Christ. We do need to have faith in Christ to be forgiven. And we need to confess and repent of our sins. That's how God forgives us. Last half of the sermon, what does God expect of me then? Well, he expects me to forgive others. Here we go. Matthew 6, Jesus said, If you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Uh, Colossians 3, Forgive each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. So here's the last point today. Forgiveness is conditional upon forgiving others. If you refuse to forgive other people, God's not going to forgive you. That's what Jesus says here. You know, here's a woman that got bitten by a mad dog with rabies. She's dying of hydrophobia or whatever they call it. And her friend sees her writing a list of names. And her friend says, oh, are you writing a list of names of people you need to forgive before you die? And the woman said, no, I'm writing a list of people to bite. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, there are people like that. They keep this mental list of people that they're just going to bite. When King Louis XII became king of France in 1498, his enemies fled Paris because they heard he kept a book. And next to his enemies, he, he wrote in black ink a cross next to the names of each of his enemies, and they fled Paris. To their joy, they discovered the king pardoned all of them. They could return to Paris. And someone said, oh, king, what about that book? What was that black cross all about? He said, as I know that God has forgiven me through Christ's cross, he expects me to forgive my enemies. And my question for you right now is this. When somebody hurts you and sins against you, do you put them on your list to bite? Or do you put a black cross next to their name? Jesus, you forgave me my sins, so I forgive my mother, I forgive my coworker, I forgive that lady next door, I forgive them in Christ's name. There is a story, a true story from what I read here. There was a man by the name of Samuel Holmes sitting in jail in Kentucky for murder. He was there for life, and he had a friend, a school friend, by the name of Lucian Young, who was a hero in Kentucky for saving many lives, Lucian Young went to the governor of Kentucky and asked for a pardon for his friend. And according to the report, the governor gave him the letter of pardon. Uh, Lucian Young put it into his pocket, goes down to prison in Kentucky, walks into the cell and says, Sam, what if the governor was to forgive your sin and pardon you and release you from this jail? What's the first thing you would do? 
And Sam Holmes said, I would go to the certain town and I'd kill the judge who gave me this sentence. And then I'd go to this town and kill the guy that witnessed against me on the stand. And story goes, according to the Richmond Register, Lucian Young walked out of the jail that night with the pardon in his pocket and tore it up. And the man sat in jail. And Jesus said, quote, And so will my heavenly Father do to you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I was talking with a teenage girl, and normally, I, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody talk like this. Pastor Brock, I hate my mother, I want her to die, and I want her to go to hell. Okay, what did your mom do? And she told me her, what her mother did. And I said, yeah, your mom does deserve to go to hell. And then I said to her, but so do you, and so do I. And she said, well, yeah, but we don't do what she does. And I said, I know, we do other stuff. Well, I want her to die and go to hell. I, and I explained, you know, you have to forgive. And I said, will you? And she said, no. And I said, then you're going to hell. Because Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, they will not forgive you. And then she says, well, well, how do you forgive someone like that? And I said, you pray. God, Holy Spirit, I can't do this. I can't forgive my mother. She, I, I hate her. i got to admit it. Forgive me for that. But God, fill me with your Holy Spirit and help, her, help me forgive. I'm not saying forgiveness is easy to do. It's a process. And you may never feel happy, rosy things for that person. I don't think feelings have really anything to do with it. But it's you saying before God, God, I forgive my mother. I forgive that man or whatever. In Jesus' name, I, I forgive them. I ask you to save them, bring them to Christ. That's what forgiveness is. You, your feelings may never change but you know you've confessed and, and you've gotten God's forgiveness for that person. I, I saw this, I think it was the same week on television. In the news, here's a family whose daughter was killed and the, the family member gets up at the sentencing and says, you know, we want you to go to hell for what you did to our sister and just blah, 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 and just angry, bitter. And a, sec, a few days later, Another young woman killed, and the family member gets up and says, what you've done is just so wounded our family, and we're so grieved, but we're Christian people, and we have forgiven you, and we hope that you will come to know Christ. Which of those two families is free? You know, I'll cover this. This happened many years ago. When I was a youth director, we took a bunch of junior high students to Bible camp. The evangelist one night was speaking on forgiving others. After the service, I, a young boy, about 13 years old, Brian comes up to me, he's just visibly shaken, and he said, uh, Tom, can I talk to you about something? So we went off and sat down, and, and he says, I will not forgive this man for what he did to me. And I said, well, what did he do? He said, my brother and I and my mom were watching television. Her boyfriend busts down the front door of the house put a rifle to her head and pulled the trigger, killed my mother, turned to my brother and I and said, you're next, and ran out of the house. And that man is sitting in Stillwater right now, and he's going to be released, and I will not forgive him. And I just, oy. And I, I, you know, I'm kind of praying, what do I say, Lord? And you know what popped into my head was the parable Jesus told, you know the story, of the king that forgave a man a million dollars, but that same man wouldn't forgive his friend $10, so the king threw him in jail the rest of his life. And I told Brian that story, and I said, now, what this man did was horrible, uh, but God has forgiven your millions of sins. Will you turn around and forgive this man for what he did? And Brian said, I will not. 
And then I said, you know, Brian, I don't know that I could either, but that's why there is something called the Holy Spirit. And I said to him, would you like to pray that the Holy Spirit will come and help you forgive this man for what he did? And, we bo and he said yes. And I just had him close his eyes and I had him pray after me. And, I, you know, and he just mouthed the words after me. And I said, Lord Jesus, I can't do this on my own. But by Holy Spirit, with your help, I forgive this man for what he did to my mother and to my brother and me. In Jesus' name, amen. And we prayed that prayer. And I remember a few nights later, there was testimony time around the fire uh, at, at night at campfire. And Brian got up, and he didn't get into details, but he just said, the Lord set me free from something this week. My, my, my thought for you is this. God, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, has forgiven you about a million sins of yours. No matter what people have done to wound you, even if it's horribly grievous, for your sake, ask God the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to pray and to forgive this person. And again, your feelings may never catch up to it, but if you in prayer say, Lord, in your strength and power, not in mine, you command me to forgive, so in your strength and power, Lord Jesus, I forgive, that is about the most healing thing you can do for your own soul. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, my first question for you would be a little bit further on this. Um, what do you do about the person who brags that they've ask God for forgiveness, and then turns around and does the same sin. Mm -hmm. How do you, as a Christian... That's a good question, Jackie. If you don't mind, let me put you on the spot. Okay. If, so, if your daughter said, Mom, does God forgive my sins if I keep doing it over and over? What would you say? <laughs> I guess, according to what I've been taught, yes, he will continue. Yeah. But you're saddening God. You are. And here's, here, here's the deal. Peter says... Jesus, how, do, how many times a day do I have to forgive this guy? Seven times a day? And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. So if I'm supposed to do that for you or for my daughter or whatever, God's doing at least that much for me. All right, but there's repentance going on because you're sorry and you're fighting your sin and you're seeking forgiveness. It's not saying you'll never do it again, but you're fighting. But the person is not fighting. They're living in impenitent sin. They're not sorry about it. They're not striving for the Lord. That's the person that I think 1 Corinthians 6 says will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, you talked about the lady with the sin 60 years ago that yeah. still confesses yeah. that that person doesn't have the assurance yet, then, no. do they? No, and they don't. But I'm not saying she's not saved. Right. Jackie, I think I was saved early in my life, but I didn't get the assurance of my salvation until I was 19 years old. But before I was 19, I, I, I prayed, I read my Bible. I know I trusted in Christ for my salvation, but I was messed up. Mm -hmm. And so I think what saves us is trusting in Christ. Hallelujah, that trust doesn't have to be perfect. Because there are days, I mean, I've been a Christian many years, there are days I still wonder if God forgives my sins. I know he does, but I, I don't feel it very often, you know. I guess, too, the other question I have is, even though I'm a Christian and I know I have to forgive, why is it so hard sometimes to do that? Is it because we're so badly hurt by that person? Yes, I think, that, I think that's it. I think, though, Jackie, what has helped me I really, to a degree anyway, I know how sinful I am. So it's awfully hard for me not to forgive somebody else. I know, how, well, I know what I've done against God 
and what I deserve, and God has graciously forgiven me. So knowing our own sinfulness and how much God has mercifully forgiven our sin, that definitely helps me forgive some guy that just, you know, did something horrible. Yeah. Okay, Pastor Brock, you know, we have a website, and I just want to tell you at the end of the program, you're going to see that website. And if you have questions that you'd like Pastor Brock to answer concerning your walk with the Lord or your faith, I have one now that I'm going to ask Pastor Brock that is quite interesting. And I would encourage you to send your questions to us. Pastorstudy.org. Right. Yep. And this is from a new father who has a question. Mm -hmm. If he was commanded to sacrifice his son, like Abraham was, he thinks he would be forced to decline that command. Mm -hmm. What would you say about <laughs> that, that? That's a hard question. In 2000 BC, God commands Abraham, take Isaac up on the hill and kill him. And Jackie, if you were told to kill your son Aaron, I don't think you'd do it, even if you had a vision of God to do it. So, you know, but we, we praise Abraham because he went up on top of the hill to do it. God stopped him. So what on earth is going on in that story? Well, th that's a hard question. First of all, child sacrifice was kind of common among the pagan non-Jewish nations. And part of that story is God t teaching, I want your obedience, but I don't really want you to kill your children like Moloch does, you know. But so, so how do we do it, though? If, if in the Ten Commandments is the fifth commandment is thou shalt not kill. What do you do if God tells you to kill? Well, I thought he told me not to kill. Who's, who's God here, you know? Well, something that, and this doesn't solve the problem, it helps a little. The Ten Commandments weren't given till about 1400 B.C. The Abraham story happens 600 years before Abraham gets the Ten Commandments. So, you know, that helps a little bit, but that's one of the hardest stories in the Bible. Okay, and, but, you know, he took this a step further, and I've worked in law enforcement, and this is kind of a true thing. Mm -hmm. How are the crazy people who say God told them yeah. to murder their children yeah. any different than Abraham? Well, okay, the difference is we now have something Abraham didn't have. We have the written word of God. The Old Testament and the New Testament, the New Testament was completed about, we'll say 95 AD. Ever since then, everybody who wants it has the word of God. And what we do now to know was if something is from God or not is we test it against scripture. That Jackie, if you, St. Paul says, an angel of God, excuse me, Satan, he says, excuse me, Satan can appear as an angel of light. St. Paul says in Corinthians. So, Jackie, if you have an angel float into your bedroom tonight and tell you, go kill your son, that's not an angel of light. That's Satan masquerading as an angel of light. So the way you know if something's from God or not is, is it biblical? Thanks for being with us this week. I'd encourage you to check out our website. We thank you for your prayers and your support, and you'll find out the ways that you can continue to support this ministry. Thanks for being with us. God bless until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.